Welcome to Cowan Insights, a space that brings leading thinkers together to share insights and ideas shaping the world around us. Join us as we converse with the top minds who are influencing our global sectors. Welcome to the Cowan Future Health Podcast, a part of Cowan's fifth annual Future Health Conference held virtually this year on June 24th and 25th, 2020. Over the past five years, the Cowan Future Health Conference has brought together thought leaders, innovators, and investors to discuss how the convergence of healthcare, technology, and consumerism is changing the way we look at health, healthcare, and the healthcare system. My name is Charles Ree, and I'm Cowan's Healthcare Services Analyst. And in this episode, we talk about AI-powered data and analytics and clinical development. In the digital age, data and analytics are being applied to just about everything and nowhere more than in drug development. The biopharma space is always looking for ways to accelerate and optimize the clinical development process. And to help us explore this topic, I'm joined by Suresh Kata, founder and CEO, along with Greg Simpson, vice president and head of marketing of Sama Technologies, a clinical data analytics company that leverages AI to integrate, curate, and animate structure and unstructured, as well as real world data to deliver actionable insights for biopharma. Welcome Suresh and Greg. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, so yeah, maybe start with Suresh. Uh, perhaps you could share a little bit of your background and how you came around to, to founding the company. Thank you, Charles, uh, for this opportunity uh, to come and health, uh, future health. And uh, it's, uh, we are living in a really odd times in our lives. <clears throat> Appreciate you guys are conducting this kind of sessions and having us participate in it. I happen to work uh, in Silicon Valley for a very innovative, creative company. That's where I really learned <clears throat> about uh, how to take very large volumes of data and simulate it and uh, visualize it. That's kind of what we did. That company went on to grow from <clears throat> being a startup to a $5 billion annual revenue company. I just happened to be part of that. That's where I got this uh, from that background. I felt I should apply this kind of stuff, what I learned there for different industry verticals. That's how I started, got started out with Sama. Great, that's helpful. And uh, so, so then let's, let's dive into Sama a little bit. Uh, you know, tell us a little bit about what the company does and, uh, you know, and a little bit more about how the platform works. Thank you. Um, we, we are a data analytics company. As you know, we evolved over years uh, from data analytics. That's kind of how we started with multiple different industry verticals. Just to give you a quick uh, um, rewind of uh, how we evolved, around 2010 or 2011, there are major things happened in the industry we felt. One was a cloud was finally becoming real. Second, big data was just getting defined. Third was a more algorithmic, open source based algorithms were becoming part of life. That's when we felt it was important to build out a big data analytics platform. We started working on that in last uh, early part of last decade. Then we evolved uh, into turning that into today's uh, clinical development platform. Great, and, and then as you look at that, uh, in particular, you guys talk about the, about Sama's life science analytics cloud. Uh, talk, talk to us a little bit more about that and you know, sort of like what, what, how it works and you know, the purpose of it and what, what's so uh, unique about it. Yeah. Um, what we found is uh, uh, one of our earliest customers were Genentech, uh, where we spent quite a bit of time there learning about uh, inefficiencies uh, involved in today's drug development piece. 
And what we felt was uh, whether you are a study manager or a clinical research associate or, or all the way up to chief medical officer, we felt they were all struggling with uh, getting a single source of truth about the studies they're conducting. The, it's a very complex, whether it's phase one all the way to phase three, it gets uh, more and more complex as it evolves. One thing we felt was uh, they were dealing with all sorts of uh, data sets coming from all over the world, all over the sites, all sorts of sites, in sometimes in several thousands to tens of thousands of patient information with the complexities that were involved. And uh, we felt our platform was quite well fit for that one. We started evolving that platform into uh, trying to figure out how do I collect the clinical trial operations data to clinical trial, the patient data to clinical trial, safety data to clinical trial, supply chain data to clinical trial, all the different types of data sets that flows through. And we felt if we are able to connect all these pieces, automated way, we integrate those pieces without any human being involved, then turn that into analytics ready. Thanks to some of the work that was done in the industry by Transelrate, MCC, CDESC, some of the standard bodies had come up with a, uh, hundreds of metrics, how to measure clinical trials effectiveness. What we were able to do is take our platform and codify all those metrics into our platform very quickly, irrespective of what persona you are, whether you are a chief medical officer or all the way down to clinical research associate, everyone need to measure certain things as they conduct the clinical trials. Our platform became home for all of these different personas for them to manage their part of clinical trials through these metrics. So Suresh, that, that, that's really interesting. And if I stop to think about it, I guess it makes a it makes sense. Uh, the fact that uh, the information is coming from so many different places, uh, so it's not so standard. But, you know, w what are some reasons behind why is the data so disparate uh, during trials from biopharma? I, is it not possible for them to kind of think through this a bit before, um, during like the designing the trials? Yeah, Charles is a great question. Um, that's the same thought I had as we got involved. Um, this is what happened too. Uh, maybe let me start with one major strategic uh, mistake. Uh, it was supposed to be an advantage for pharma industry. I, in my opinion, that turned into a mistake. Um, they had a lot of repeatable processes they need to go through as they conduct clinical trials. And they felt it has to be a variable cost. Can I outsource this kind of repeatable processes to someone? And that's how CRO industry evolved. Today, CRO industry is very big. And Big Pharma had learned to outsource clinical trials to CRO industry. And CRO industry, second big mistake was, it was not about outsourcing, it was about the model they built. They built a model where it's billable hours, how they charge the CRO. Depending on project manager's hours to study manager hours to clinical manager hours to therapeutic area manager hours. That's how they charge. Now it became actually uh, confrontational. This pharma wants to get the drug to the market as fast as they can, whereas CRO industry want to stay on the clinical trial as long as they can, because that's the way it generates more billable hours. 
so that's interesting. So in other words, where it just the way it kind of organically built up, kind of has created these inefficiencies that uh, yeah. that they're, they're now kind of stuck, um, and it's kind of hard to go back. So it, it kind of makes sense that they need uh, a different type of uh, platform to to handle that. H how were biopharma companies handling these tasks then before uh, before someone like you? This what I'll say. One, one more point, if I would bring up uh, uh, our nation has done an incredible stuff over last century, I would say, in the modern medicine. Uh, we have been the pioneers in this, and we have been able to uh, attract a lot of young kids going to becoming a scientists, academic researchers, and uh, pharma industry has been able to blessed with uh, ability to attract the best of the best minds to work on a new molecules, new therapies, new, all these pieces. However, that industry never realized there is a room for, uh, there is a need for technology, great engineering minds to come in. Uh, so it, it became part of the process. They attracted great scientists to come into pharma industry or become great scientists once they joined the pharma industry. But however, that uh, side of it, they never attracted great engineering minds to come. If I can go a little bit, my background in Silicon Valley, if you look at CHIP, uh, when I did my thesis work and my master's program, my thesis work was putting more transistors into a chip. And at that time, I got my thesis work done for putting 100,000 transistors into a chip. Today, same chip has a 5 billion transistors in a chip. So what they did was these science people or uh, chemi uh, the people in the chip industry uh, attracted the best of the best engineering minds to join them. With the same size of chip, same cost, we applied something called Moore's law. That is every 18 months, it will double the speed at half the cost. And this has been true for last four, five decades. And whereas pharma industry did not apply that, pharma industry went through raising the cost from a couple of hundred million dollars to now a couple of billion dollars or more. That's how, because they never attracted the technology to people to come in. So one of the ways they do it was with spreadsheets. I've met with clients when we showed them a demo of our platform and they've said, you know what? Everything I see here is the same stuff that people come to me every day and ask for. And oftentimes um, when it's not something that um, has already been asked, they either work with a SaaS programmer within their company or they issue a change order to the CRO. Both cause additional time to get the answer and if it's with the CRO, it's, it's additional cost. And then if there's a different question that comes up, they have to go through the same process over and over again. So that's kind of the, the, the life that they live today. And it's, it's, just, it's just inefficient. And, and they're not able to get answers from their data right away. That's great. Th thanks for that, uh, Greg. Maybe then let's, let's take this to, to Sama a little bit more directly and talk about the business model. Uh, if we have CROs and the, the old way of doing things, maybe billing uh, on an hourly basis or on a project basis, uh, talk to us about the, the, the business model for Sama and sort of the value prop that you're kind of bringing to your clients. Yeah, uh, <clears throat> great question. Uh, this is what, what we are trying to do at this point. Uh, digitization of the world has changed all of us around the world today. Same way in the pharma industry for drug development, what we were able to see is there is an automated way to connect to the sites, automated way to connect to the different kind of CRO source systems, 
as well as their internal systems. We were able to connect that so that we were able to bring in all the data dynamically on an uh, ongoing basis by minute by minute or whatever nanosecond by nanosecond rather than wait for weeks, months, that kind of stuff. By doing that, what we have been able to do is uh, pharma companies uh, can subscribe to our platform rather than uh, do anything else like they used to do, that is procure hardware, procure software, procure uh, implementation teams, all that we were able to bulldoze. And we were able to, so our business model is really today uh, for them to just uh, sign up with us, then we are able to show them what they need to see, how their studies are going. All that we need to do is connect to their systems. That's what we have been able to bring to the table. And, and, and when, you know, when I, you know, and, and how quick can you get somebody up and running? Like, how long does it take? And maybe compare that to how long it typically takes for, let's say, a, uh, a typical CRO to get a project up and running. And, uh, or, and maybe, maybe that's not the right uh, comparison. Yeah. Uh, what they would normally do versus how quickly you can get them up and running. Maybe that's the better way to ask it. Yeah. Oh. Um, Charles, if I can uh, give this answer in three buckets here. One is there is small biotechs. We have a very limited amount of money they raise through IPO or their uh, private equity or some kind of venture fund. Second, mid-sized companies of pharma, then large-size one. In the small one, they are kind of, uh, do not have technology teams or anyone to do. So they depend on someone telling them what has happened or what's happening with the study, okay? That's where they see our uh, platform as a great way to uh, jump in and speed up their clinical trials. Whereas a mid-sized one, they have small IT departments and they're continuously looking at their very aspirational mid-sized pharma. Uh, they're very aspirational. They aspire to become one of the large pharma. And several of them, I don't need to name them, but you are aware of those people who are already in the market. And then the large one today, they have a big IT department or they have system integrators, big system integrators. So if you look at these three, um, big pharma, it takes months and sometimes uh, I would say several quarters for them to do what our platform does in days today. Okay. Uh, for small uh, biotech, they're able to get, as things happen, they're able to see things on their, themselves, for themselves, without calling anybody, without spending any money on uh, CROs. That's what we have been able to do, okay? This is, again, I just don't want to confuse here. C uh, CROs do a lot of things, great things. I don't want to take away that. What we are able to digitize is some of the data-related stuff, overall process-related stuff, what we have been able to digitize. We do not go into the site to do any work, whereas CROs do that. Right. And CROs do a bunch of different things. Labs, they don't, we don't go to labs to do that. We connect to the labs software so that we can get your lab results dynamically as it happens. So uh, by doing that, we are eliminating some of the manual processes, very laborious, erroneous processes, which take a lot of time uh, as we have been able to eliminate for the pharma industry. Thanks, and then that that helps clarify uh, things for me as well. Um, maybe then talk about the competitive landscape. You know, uh, 
it, it sounds like it, it's a really large market opportunity here. It sounds like uh, for the most part, biopharma is still is, is struggling with this issue. Uh, when you're in the market today, you know, what, what types of companies are, are attempting to do something similar to you are? I think uh, my colleague Greg earlier pointed out to some extent, uh, like every industry, spreadsheets is our biggest competition. And uh, there are a lot of people in the company. Uh, I'll tell you, at one of my clients, uh, they said every time they have a meeting with their uh, internal um, uh, monthly meeting on the studies to go through each study where it is, what it is, it is week to 10 days. Every manager have to work on spreadsheets to build that out. Uh, they do 20 days of work and then they do 10 days of actually collection of data. And it is kind of a, uh, still they cannot answer questions because a guy in New Zealand gives his in his own format that spreadsheet, whereas a guy in Germany is giving it in his own format. Then uh, at the top, higher level, uh, head of operations or head of clinical uh, studies, they go crazy trying to connect all these points to figure out what do we do or what do we don't do. Uh, I that's kind of our uh, biggest one competition, to be honest with you. Uh, Greg, you wanted to say something? Yeah, I just wanted to add what I hear is a lot of times when they get together to talk about the data, they spend more time trying to rationalize the data. And then at the end of the meeting, they, once they finally figure out, okay, we're all talking about this, the same thing, then they can make strategic decisions on what to do with the data they have. So, so that's one of the challenges with the way things are today is it, that the technology you know, totally makes uh, a, a moot point where you have one single source of truth and everyone's looking at the same data and getting you know, the ability to interrogate it and ask their questions. And they come to a meeting with, with that foundational knowledge of what's going on in the clinical trial. And, and they can spend their time talking about what decisions they need to make versus trying to rationalize why does uh, you know, one spreadsheet say one thing and something else says something else and one system has it this way, another system has it that way. So it really um, puts people at, at, at a much further uh, uh, closer to um, able to make strategic decisions rather than trying to to you know rationalize and understand you know what it is they're looking at to make those decisions. Uh, so could, Charles, if I could add one more thing there, depending on how rich you are uh, as a company, uh, you will get a more fancy consultant system integrators to come in and have a three-year project to build out a data lake for this. And things are moving so fast that data lake becomes uh, obsolete. And uh, many large farmers already publicly uh, made a statement, I spent $300 million trying to create a data lake. Now it has become a data swamp. I just don't know what's there, what's not there. And when mid-size are small, they're struggling to win. So our competition is to some extent uh, this fancy money that goes into system integrators. That's interesting, you know, and that reminds me, I. I hosted a panel on 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 a similar topic uh, years ago, and a large bio biotech company was on, uh, and chief technology officer talking about exactly that. Well, we're building this big data lake, and this is how we're going to be thinking about digital. Um, it'd be interesting if I circle back and see and see how that project's going at this point. Um, <laughs> but you know, so maybe talking about sort of customers and partners, then uh, you know, you you include so your your customers already include some of the largest, uh, you know, clearly most innovative biopharma companies around. You know, you talk about like some of the Pfizer's, you know, Gilead's, the Regenerons of the world. Uh, you know, maybe talk about sort of 
you know, some of the work you've been able to do with them and, you know, how quickly you're able to work with them. And, and, and are these, do they start at the enterprise level or are you typically starting with uh, certain projects or certain divisions uh, when you're working with companies, particularly at the, at the very large end, of, uh, large end of the scale? Yeah, good question, Charles. Uh, I'll maybe give you an answer and then give you one example here. With, uh, smaller the organization, they try to bring us in as an enterprise solution. Okay, you are bigger the organization, uh, then you try to bring in as, as a one specific problem you're trying to solve. That's how I look at uh, our customer base, how they are. They, you are somewhere in middle, you are doing multiple things, not necessarily one, uh, all the things, but not necessarily uh, uh, just one thing, okay, in between. Uh, that's how I, then given that, I'll just give you one example of, uh, you asked uh, example, when you are conducting clinical trials, especially big pharma, they are conducting several hundreds of them, uh, several hundreds of them uh, on an ongoing basis, actively. Uh, so many therapeutic areas, at least 10, 20, 25 therapeutic areas they are working on. So you generate queries as you're conducting clinical trials. And these queries runs into on a daily basis, uh, thousands and thousands and tens of thousands of them. And they have a very expensive clinical data managers. Not only they pay for those guys at CROs, they also have a duplicate of those people, same people inside pharma, because pharma has outsourced same clinical study to three CROs, not one. Because one CRO happened to be a specialized vendor in Germany, another CRO happened to be in New Zealand, and another CRO happened to be in US. So they have to contract multiple CROs to do this work. So inside pharma, they need to have a clinical data manager sitting on top of all these different clinical data managers to process these queries. What, what the issue is, what we were able to show is with our deep learning, machine learning algorithms, we were able to process these clients, uh, process these queries, I meant queries in an automated way. They call something called golden query. Golden queries without any human touch. Query was either generated or query got closed. Both, both sides able to do that. So when we are able to do thousands of them a day or multiple thousands of them a day, you can think about all the savings they get in the big pharma instead of trying to hire a $300,000 clinical data managers, which that's what it costs to hire those people. Now, same clinical data managers are able to do more studies inside the pharma. Rather than they're limited to one or two studies, uh, now they're able to do something like five to 10 studies because of our platform. That, that's pretty interesting. And, and, and is that, when you guys go to the clients, is that a, a key thing that they're looking for? Or, or is that sort of a, a, a byproduct of what they're looking for? They realize after the fact that there's a, also a savings element to this. Yeah, uh, with uh, all due respect to my colleagues or uh, my clients in pharma industry, they're great scientific minds. They're trained very well on the regulatory environments, highly regulated industry. Their mind thinks that way. Their mind doesn't think about technology that can be applied. Yeah, so certainly. That's uniqueness what we bring to the table. Yeah. Uh, where we are able to add to their complexities of highly regulated environment and highly scientific environment, 
how do we bring technology to speed up things and most of the time we are teaching them there are some bright people there don't get me wrong there have been able to attract some bright people technology people there even uh, one of the big pharma who had made uh, ceo announcements about uh, uh, how they are going to save 500 to 700 million dollars per drug development uh, he openly said after about a year of effort i'm not able to attract great engineering minds to our organization they always go to silicon valley companies i just not able to now neither attract them or retain them right okay so that's a uniqueness what we bring to the table as we are able to attract the great scientific uh, not scientific engineering minds who can complement the scientific minds in the industry you know when i when i'm hearing you talk about the platform here uh, what strikes me though is, I mean, you talk about sort of your biopharma clients, but does it does it make as much sense also to be being the platform for CROs themselves? Because you know, particularly the larger CROs, they operate in multiple countries, uh, you know, multi regions, and uh, at the same time, and they have to deal with probably systems uh, at the local level, uh, similar to how biopharma looks at it. Uh, is that an area of uh, that you're targeting for growth as well, or is that is, or is that a little bit different at this point? Yes, I think eventually we think CROs also will adapt. Uh, this kind of platforms, they're forced to adapt. But how the industry working today, Charles, is uh, CROs would like to do what sponsors tell them to do. So until sponsors tell them to use our platform, there will be a slow growth inside CROs because CROs has a vested interest to protect their billable hours. I, I see what you're saying. So, okay, that, that, I understand that. Um, but, uh, okay, yeah, let's, let's move on a little bit here. Um, you know, if we look earlier this year, obviously, you know, you alluded to at the very beginning that we're going through some very uh, unprecedented times here. Um, you know, early May, you, you announced uh, the launch of a new COVID-19 command center, uh, mm-hmm. and you're kind of using the, you know, the, your LSAC uh, platform and you and you're partnered with um, uh, forgive me if I pronounce it wrong index AI yeah uh, the iCore platform um, maybe t- talk to us a little bit about that and you know how how you're helping you know um, you know people in uh, during this process and then trying to cope with the pandemic yeah uh, good question again look as we were thinking through building this platform one of the things uh, one of my colleagues uh, uh, brain behind this uh, I'll say this uh, we felt pharma industry is very broad drug development industry is very broad and uh, very deep and we cannot be a one single provider for doing all the clinical analytics for this what we did was we expanded our platform like an iOS platform on Apple or Android platform and um, what it was about is whoever has capabilities they can build their applications on top of our platform. So now we have a bunch of uh, partners who have come in building different apps on our platform. And that's the way we are really catering to. Coming back to your COVID-19, we felt index.ai had a great translational sciences. This is a multi-omics capabilities. In while choosing the patients, right patients for COVID-19, whether it's a vaccine or it's a therapy we are building, we need to select the right patient. So we were able to get very quickly from Wuhan, China to Korea to other places, 
and load up all the data we could get on the COVID-19 patients. And we were able to show through biomarker stuff which are the patients would be perfect for this vaccine clinical trials versus who are going to be better for therapy. That, that's interesting. So when we look at some of the, the clients that you have, like such as uh, Regeneron and Gilead, who are clearly at the front of some of the development that's going on right now to, to, to combat COVID-19, uh, have they been using this uh, offering here um, to try to find patients to enroll in their trials? Uh, I'll just uh, say this. Uh, several of them are using our platform today, and we are very proud of that. Uh, uh, since uh, there is no public announcement from some of these companies, I'm trying to hold my excitement about it. But what's uh, good is uh, several of them, as well as small biotechs, which uh, only we heard those names now in last three months, they are also in the high profile right now. Uh, we are having different level of uh, discussions or different applications in our platform. They're exploring how to speed up their clinical trial. One of the differences is this is purpose-built for COVID-19. We have a lot of uh, other technology companies out there that are saying you can use their existing technology for your COVID-19 trials. This is purpose-built. That's you know, why we partner with Index AI. So it's, it's, it's you know, in, in our minds, everything that someone running a, a COVID-19 trial would need all in one place, not just our traditional LSAC platform, uh, you know, that they can use on a, on a COVID trial, but, but something purpose-built. One of the things we did was there are almost close to 70,000 scholarly articles written about COVID-19 by academic researchers and physicians and scientists. And we felt there was a need for our platform to access all this ever-growing uh, set of and when we started doing that, our thinking was anybody conducting COVID-19 clinical trial, whether it's for a um, vaccine side or therapy side, they need to check, look at what other scholarly people are saying about this, whether they are in China or whether in India or Singapore, doesn't matter which place they are, uh, these scientists are. They have published these things. So what we were able to do is not only connect this entire database on an ongoing basis every day, we are refreshing, refreshing. One of our clients came to us and said, hey, we are running into problem with selecting principal investigators. Uh, who would be the perfect one to conduct our clinical trials, investigators? Within Friday night, we got that call. We were able to turn on. By Sunday night, we went through several iterations. We were able to get them 7,000 or plus principal investigators around the world, they could use as their first take on selecting the investigators for COVID-19 clinical trials. That's pretty amazing. Um, yeah, that, it, that sounds exciting. And then obviously we'll look forward to uh, to see what happens uh, in, on the development side, hopefully sooner rather than later, obviously. Uh, you know, even before COVID though, you, you know, you were, you've been working with, you know, uh, making announcements. I, I think there's one back in February, right? With uh, Pfizer, yeah. uh, you, you signed an agreement and it sounds like, they, you know, they signed on to deploy your platform. Um, talk a little bit about like, what kind of drove that decision? You know, how, how did that dialogue go? And, you know, what were sort of the, the key kind of, problems that uh, Pfizer was looking to address uh, and, and try to solve for and that, that led them to you? Yeah, as you know, Pfizer is one of the largest uh, uh, big pharma and they had a, 
done unsuccessfully several attempts at uh, using data analytics platform over a period of time and some things have succeeded for them but they were looking for some very identified problem statements they felt that could be solved by a data analytics platform like ours and that's how they came to us and uh, we received a, a lot of data points from them their raw data we were able to receive that's part of it they said instead of running an rfp process we would rather run a process it's very similar to hackathon that is you have a well defined set of major problem statement then you take the data sets and overnight you code it or you come up with some solution out of the hackathon very similar kind of concept but not naturally overnight it was several weeks rather than several months or several quarters rfp process they were able to squeeze this into several weeks and able to get uh, the problem statement they defined for us they gave us the data sets and our platform was able to deliver what they were looking for that's how they selected us and this was mainly they were focused on the clinical data management side they felt they are overwhelmed with data sets they get on a daily basis they wanted a system to process that you know where, where how do you see the uh, industry evolving from here um, and sort of the, the future for you guys and I guess maybe more specifically than you know any any kind of key uh, milestones or kind of things to look out for that you that you're excited about uh, coming down in the next uh, year or so it's something that we should all pay attention to yeah uh, one of the things I'll say there are some uh, organizations talking to us right now end-to-end -end drug development to be done just using our platform that's the future I'm looking for okay where someone is bold enough to say that i need to have a command center in my hand like houston command center to manage the entire apollo program or falcon program at spacex similar way they need to have a command center to manage entire drug development from end to end that's kind of i'm going around not doing one piece or two pieces here or there looking at how do i line up a couple of them we know that this industry uh, will follow one, two successes we have, then rest of the industry will follow. These are the big milestones we are looking for over next uh, 12 to 36 months, how we are going to evolve as a platform of choice for drug development. And Charles, I'll just add that I, you know, a lot of the use of technology that's been expedited because of the virus um, will continue in our opinion. So there's a, a lot of value of using something like remote monitoring, right? So the the clinical research associates don't have to go to all the sites. They have all the information right in front of them. Why would you want to go back once people can start traveling and have people be unproductive when they can have uh, information, you know, from all the sites in front of them in one place? So we, we really see that um, the, the, the virus has um, accelerated the digital transformation. And we think, uh, you know, it's going to stick and we're going to see it evolve even uh, more and more quickly. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And obviously, the, this, this pandemic has changed a lot of things and, you know, certainly helps maybe accelerate some of these trends that, uh, you know, you guys are envisioning. Uh, look, what our thought process earlier I mentioned, we want to find a way to apply Moore's law, Pharma's Moore's law, so that we can take that curve, which has been going up into multi-billion dollars over last two, three decades, and turn that down into a coming down to $300 million per drug the uh, cost. That's what our vision is. I think it's quite doable, we feel. 
today rather than spending because batting average has been low for the industry. They hit too many walls. They take too many wrong roads. And then by the time they come to realization, they have spent already tens of millions or hundreds of millions of dollars uh, happening. With our platforms, we feel we can minimize that and increase the batting average so high and get the drug development timeline uh, squeezed into much more like three to five years rather than today it's taking 10 to 12 years. Yeah, that, and, and, and who knows, and maybe that will help also lower overall drug cost as well and pricing. Yeah, yeah so yeah. That, that'd be a, can't say we've seen it yet, but uh, that would be something certainly to hope for in the future. Um, for all of us. Uh, with that, I, I think we've kind of run out of time here. I really want to thank you both, uh, Suresh and Greg, for joining us today. I really appreciate this discussion, and I think our listeners will find this very, very exciting to listen to, and we all look forward to hearing more news coming out of uh, Sama. Thank you, Charles. Thank you, Charles. Thanks for joining us. Stay tuned for the next episode of Cowan Insights.